Praise the Lord. This is Jacob Lovelace with The Promise Church, and we want to welcome you to our new podcast, Messages from the Promise. We want you to be blessed by the word of the Lord that's shared here each week at The Promise Apostolic Church. Hope these words richly bless you. God bless. Could we love Jesus just a little bit? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I praise you. (laughs) Savior, you're worthy. Savior, we welcome your presence. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, I'm going to let you be seated. Pastor Loveless, uh, if your aunt's going to keep cutting your hair, she's going to have to really thin it now. And keep Pastor, and it'll turn this color, too. Y'all are going to have to give me a few moments. It has taken us nine-plus years to get here, all right? And uh, I just got to tell you, I'm overcome. With joy. I'm not crying because I'm sad, I promise you. When I pulled up in front of this place today, you cannot imagine the emotions that I personally have experienced already. I, I don't know, I may need an IV or a little help for being dehydrated. I've cried so much already. When I walked into the back of the the sanctuary, it was just absolutely breathtaking. Sister Jamie and I, when we pulled up, it was just amazing to see what God has done through willing vessels like the promised church. Absolutely an incredible thing that God has done. And he's just getting started. He's just getting started at this location. You hear me? We're not celebrating the end. This is just a good start. Hallelujah. I give highest honor to Pastor and Sister Loveless, the first family of this assembly. What an incredible man and woman and family and family lineage, all of their family that's here. Before the nine-year clock started clicking and ticking, Brother Loveless and I spent a lot of time together talking, dreaming, and I would tell you about the foundation of this assembly. Pastor Loveless' care for the work of God and his carefulness, please hear me, his carefulness to do everything to start this assembly ethically and with integrity is surpassed only by his walk with God, I promise you. There were a lot of conversations with myself and Brother Lovelace in the planning stages. This wasn't just something that Brother Lovelace got a whim and said, we're going to do something. God had been dealing with him and he was so careful To make sure that he did things the right way. That's how a foundation of a new assembly needs to be started. And I know you know it. But I think we 
Oh, Pastor and Sister Loveless, another special honor of thanks today for their burden for Church Hill in this community. Would you stand? Brother and Sister Loveless, I love you dearly. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I give high honor to the Vickers family as well, to the Christian family. And if I start naming all of this bunch, now, you folks that have been raised in the secular world, you may think that nepotism is bad. But in the ways of God, the family is called to carry on the priesthood and the lineage. God ordains it to be so that from generation to generation there were priests and Levites that would carry on the gospel so there's nothing wrong with this bloodline that is helping to establish a mighty miracle work in Churchill. I don't know if you know it or not, we saw a miracle take place today at offering time. We saw a miracle. You want to see miracles? You saw one today. Prove me herewith, saith the Lord. Prove me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Hear me. Scripture is being fulfilled today at the promise apostolic church. And let me compliment you on the name of your church. In a day that everybody's trying to be undercover and not let you know what kind of church you're going into. You can be seated. Y'all settle down. In a day that folks are uh, hoping to maybe fool folks into visiting for the first time and be, some call it non-denominal, I call it non-committal. When it says the promise, apostolic church, Churchill needs to know that there is an apostolic, Jesus name, oneness, Holy Ghost filled church in Churchill. Thank you for the name that's out front because that's the same thing that's inside this house. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. And again, I, I beg your indulgence for giving me just a few moments here. I realize a good or a bad message is all that stands between y'all and getting to eat. So I hope at least if it's bad, it won't be long bad, okay? But I would tell you, nine years ago when I preached here, we had a much lower ceiling and a much higher temperature. <laughs> But the same Holy Ghost that was here nine years ago, I feel it here today. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost in this house. This is a day of celebration. Just look what the Lord has done. <laughs> look what he's done. Would you stand with me? Because it is my responsibility and my task for us to Get into the word. I give honor to all of our ministers, 
so good to meet you and so good to see all of you. Thank you. It speaks so well of folks who love to fellowship together with brothers and sisters of like precious faith. So I'm excited. Now, isn't it amazing? We've gone this far and we haven't even talked about COVID. <coughs> I'm from Knox County. We've got our own health department and they are ornery. Man, it's good to be able to come to church and folks actually get to sit together. I enjoyed actually getting to shake hands. I, I, look, if you need to know this, I did bring my Purell and I've got my mask, okay? We have to do that at home still. You know, Purelling has become a verb. Now, you, that, instead of being the name of something, you Purell. So I, I did all that, okay? But I just believe the Holy Ghost is here today and he's going to protect us. We're going to be smart. But I believe the Holy Ghost has got a word for us today. It's not what I can say. But the Holy Ghost has something for us today. I'd call your attention to the book of Galatians, the fourth chapter. We're going to begin reading at verse number 22. Galatians 4, 22. And I, I used to say... Hold your Bible up and say it is written. Now you can hold it up and say, Satan, it's downloaded. You know, what, whatever you're using. If you're using an iPad or a Bible, that's where I want us to be. My, I would tell you this, while if you haven't found that yet, Galatians 4.22 to read with me, I will tell you this. My day's already been glorious. I got to baptize my five-year-old granddaughter, Easton Day, in the precious name of Jesus. Man, you're talking about Father's Day. I've already had a good day. I want you to know. Galatians 4.22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondman, bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Notice verse 24, which things are an allegory. Remember that. Which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to, to, to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. Verse 26, notice this as well. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Which is the mother of us all. Everybody say, the mother of us all. Verse 27, for it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuteth him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? 
Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. For a few moments this afternoon, I would speak to you on this subject. The children of the promise. But I would subtitle it, Who's Your Mama? Let's pray. Savior, I love you. God, I thank you for this precious congregation that's joined here today. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful sanctuary that we're worshiping in today. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's already near and for a mighty financial miracle that you have already worked. Lord, I already see that prosperity is coming to the Promise Apostolic Church. Lord, people have stepped out by faith. They have given of their living today. And Lord, I know that your word has told us that you're going to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Lord, I see blessings come from untold riches to this assembly because they're working in your kingdom. Anoint all that we do and say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Lord bless you. The children of the promise... Who's your mama? Adam Clark, the noted Bible commentator, when commenting on verse 26 said, And this Jerusalem is our mother. It signifies the church of Christ, the metropolis of Christianity, or rather the state of liberty into which all true believers are brought. The text should, be, should read thus, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is our mother. Now, understand, this might seem to be a curious text and a curious title to preach on Father's Day to ask, who's your mama? Elder Johnny James, when he preached for us several years ago on Easter, made this statement emphatically. He said, if the church is not your mama, God is not your daddy. Let that sink in. If the church is not your mother, God is not your father. Galatians in this passage recounts Abraham's attempt to help God through fleshly means. He had... A relationship God had already covenanted with him and told him that even though Sarah was barren, that he was going to be the father of a great nation, that it would be as the stars of the heaven, as the sands of the seashore that could not be numbered. But he got ahead of God. He tried to help God, and he had a relationship with a bondwoman, with Hagar, to try to give a son to start what God had told him would be in the covenant. So, Scripture is recounting this, but Scripture said we are recounting this happening as an allegory. This is not just a history lesson. We're not just repeating what happened. This is an allegory. An allegory defined is a symbolic representation. 
the expression by means of symbolic figures and actions of truths or generalizations about human existence. In other words, this isn't just a history lesson for us to recount the mistakes that Abraham made. It's some examples for us to realize that there are some things that we need to get from this story today that applies to we, the church of God. When we visit this, we're hearing some facts that should apply to us. This is an overview that should allow us to draw some conclusions that have a much greater purpose than just gaining knowledge. In other words, there needs to be some wisdom come along with it. You know, I heard somebody one time define the difference between knowledge and wisdom. They gave this example. They said knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. But wisdom is knowing not to put tomatoes in your fruit salad. Makes a lot of sense. You see, it's what you do with the knowledge that you have. So I submit to you today, we're not just having a history lesson about Abraham's mistake, but what can we glean, what can we learn about this? For you see, from the bloodline of Adam through Noah and humanity... We are all in that bloodline of sin. Any thoughts contrary is not scriptural and is not plausible. This allegory is not intended in any way to establish some superior race or ethnicity, some kind of racist bias or big bigotry when it talks about being free or being bond. This is about the human family, all right? This allegory is simply and distinctly telling us all that we are either in the family of bondage to sin or we are in the family of the free. I want to know who your mama is today. For you see, the church is the mother of us all. Mother Jerusalem is the church and we are part of that family. If the church is not your mama... God is not your daddy. Hallelujah. Galatians said it this way in Galatians 3, 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Oh, hallelujah. I've got a promise. I'm an heir to the promise. This is the promise apostolic church. We're celebrating the promise that came to us a long time ago. We're the children of God. We are heirs to the kingdom of heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I realize that we come from diverse lineages. Some of you here may have come from royalty. You may have come from kings and queens. Some of you may have come from aristocracy or wealth. But I suspect that most of y'all are like me. 
I came from a little bit more dubious pedigree than that. But I want you to know when I was born into the family of God, when I repented of my sins, when I went down in the water in the precious name of Jesus for the remitting, for the washing away of my sins, when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I spoke with tongues, there was something changed about me. I became an heir to the kingdom of heaven. I became an heir and a son of God. I have all the rights and privileges reserved for a child of the king, and so do you. <laughs> we are children of the promise. We've been... I'm about to get ahead of myself. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm here to tell you, you're in a house full of children of the promise today. Our daddy owns this whole place. Preacher, how do you know that? Because I know who my mama is. I know the church that I was born into. Let me tell you a little bit about the desire of a mama when a desire of a mama is proper. In 1 Samuel 1, we read, beginning with verse number 1, Now there was a certain man of Ramath Aim Zorphim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. And I'll skip down and move quickly to save time. Verse 2, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship, to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Now remember those names because they're going, there won't be a test later, but you'll need to know about them. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And, ha and her adversary also provoked, provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. A real heart of a mama wants to produce. Let me say that again. The real heart of a mama wants to produce. A church that gets satisfied with where they are. If we think, hey, we've got this new sanctuary, it's time to put our feet up. We've got our four and no more. We don't need anybody else coming in here. We don't have the heart of a mama anymore as a church. But I already heard Brother Jacob say, man, we need to start looking to see what it's going to take to put a balcony in this house. Why? Because we have a desire to grow. We have a desire to produce in our community. This church has the heart of mama. This is the mother of us all. We are children of the promise. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. You got to get this. This is allegory thinking now. There was an example. Give us, there was an allegory. So notice what happened. 1 Samuel 1 and 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she, speaking of Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. 
She had such a heart of a mama. There's going to be some crying times around here. If that baptismal pool doesn't get used for long, there needs to be some crying around here. If we're not seeing folks come around the altar too many times when we have church, if we're not seeing folks repent, new converts coming in, mamas will start crying. The church will start saying, we need to be reaching somebody else. There's still a lost world in our community. There's still lost folks around us. Mama's got a heart for when. And Hannah was weeping sore because she didn't have a child. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on our affliction, the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, I will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. She gave the Nazarite vow. And it came to pass... As she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now, understand, she had the heart of a mama. Eli, somewhere along the way, had got comfortable in his prophetship and his priestship. Eli didn't know the difference in a drunk and a sorrowful spirit. Heaven help us when we can't discern anymore when there's a need in our community. Heaven help us if we can become so case-hardened that we don't discern when there's a special need. I mean, she was wanting to pray. She was of a sorrowful spirit, but she couldn't even speak. And Eli... Marked her mouth. You think Brother Loveless preaches hard. He's never punched you in the mouth, has he? Huh. Some of you basketball players said, no, but I did see a high elbow a time or two. That's only because he's tall, you know. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, how long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaiden for a daughter of Belial, a daughter of the devil is what that means. She said, Don't, don't think that I have got in some wickedness. I've just got a sorrowful spirit because I have a desire to be a mama. I want to produce. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The Lord God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. I don't know whether Eli really got a revelation or he was just trying to get rid of her. But for whatever it was, he gave her enough encouragement to change her countenance. But I want you to notice something in this. Just think what it had, would have been like had Hannah got offended 
at the church and left man. Oh, but Brother Mark, she had a right to. The preacher hit her right square in the mouth. He, was, he made a mistake. I got news for you. Human leadership will not always be perfect. But woe unto us if we start holding grudges and say, well, I'm just going to take my family and we'll all go to hell. And I'm not cussing. But there's some folks will take that attitude. They'll get mad at the church because of some little silly something. And they'll walk out the door with their family, dooming them to be away from the church. Listen, you can't afford to let your feelings get hurt. Hannah didn't let her feelings get hurt even though she might have had a right to. She said, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit and I'm hanging on. I'm needing a little hope. The church has got a little hope today. Don't get offended. Don't get mad over some little something. We're the children of the promise. We can't afford to leave. Had Hannah held a grudge against Eli for marking her mouth, she could have afforded herself the luxury of offense and leaving angry. But Israel would not have had a Samuel to minister in another generation. Hannah would have been leaving in offense and anger. Instead, she held on to a promise that Eli had made. She began taking it before the Lord. In verse 20 of 1 Samuel 1 says, Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come. You see, God's got his own time. When the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Notice verse 22. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. Then will I bring him, that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullock and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in shallow. And the child was young and they slew the bullock and brought the child to Eli. Notice, she wanted the child to be independent of the flesh before she turned him over to the spiritual leadership. We're still talking allegories now. Hear me, mom and dads. Don't expect the church to straighten up your kids' problems if you won't teach it at home. I didn't stutter. Don't find yourself at odds with spiritual teaching at home and say, nah, that don't matter. You don't have to do that. It, don't care. it doesn't matter what pastor said. It doesn't matter if the, if the youth pastor is expecting the young folks to have a season of fasting. Pray. They don't need to. You see, Hannah had made a commitment. She said, God, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him back to you. 
And she wanted to get him independent of a fleshly need before she brought him for spiritual guidance. You see, they've got to learn at home the respect and the honor and the integrity so when they come to church, those things can open up to the spiritual things that need to be taught to us. Oh, hear me today. It doesn't take a village. It takes a Holy Ghost-filled mama and daddy along with an inspired Holy Ghost-filled church to bring up another strong generation and a bunch of Samuels. And you see, a real mama gives her children to God. Verse 26, and she said, O my Lord, as thou livest, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I pray, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Now, I want you to see the comparison and contrast between Samuel, baby boy Samuel, that's now growing up in the church, and Eli's natural sons. Okay, I told you about this earlier. I Remember I told you about God's will was a bloodline. But I've got news for you. If the bloodline gets impure, God will raise up a Samuel to take care of another generation. Okay? So understand that because if you read about Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, they did evil at the very gate of the temple. They committed whoredoms before God at the very gate of the temple. They would lie with women. They would steal from the sacrifice. They became about themselves personally. Now please don't think me graphic as I say this. But in studying the Word of God, I read about Hannah and Samuel, and I read about Eli and his sons Hophni and Phineas. Let me ask you, where's Hophni and Phineas, Mama? Anybody ever read about Hophni and Phineas, Mama? I haven't. I can find no biblical reference as to who Hophni and Phineas, Mama was. Did she die young and was she out of their life? Was she so egocentric that she didn't have time to influence her sons and just assume that they'd be around the church? Was she more interested in their fleshly success than their spiritual welfare? 1 Samuel 2.11 says, And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister in the Lord before Eli the priest. Mom and daddy had given Samuel to Eli. But notice verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. The sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. You better hear me. We know who their daddy was. Their daddy was Eli. He was a priest. So if they were the sons of Belial and Belial is the devil, all that lets me know is mama must have been a devil. Preacher, what are you saying? 
because it goes on to say the sons of Eli were the sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. Sometimes we assume some scriptural references are gender specific. But in this instance, all it's talking about is parental leadership. Somewhere along the way, mama had not had a good influence like Samuel's mama had. Somewhere along the way, they had not learned the integrity that was needed, even though their father was doing the duties of the priest over the house. Hear me. We can't leave all of our parental responsibilities up to the pastor. We as a church family must speak as one voice and lead our children and lead our community to Christ. The church has got to be your mama if you're going to be part of the children of the promise. I will skip all the graphic reading but you can read it for yourself this evening. Go back to 1 Samuel 2. You can just see how evil Hophni and Phineas was. The specifics you can read in verses 13, 14, 15, 16. They even threatened to take the meat of the sacrifices by force, if need be. Verse 17 of that passage says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. If mama loses her focus, hear me, if the church, if we ever lose our focus of being soul winners to our community, now hear me, I've seen it happen too many times. Promise Apostolic Church of Churchill, First Apostolic Church of Knoxville, None of us are above getting distracted if we stop letting the main thing be the main thing. Hear me. We're not competing with any other church. We're not competing for notoriety unless it's notoriety of the Jesus name apostolic message. I'm not here trying to say my church is better than this church. I want all apostolic churches to be one and the same as soul winners. God has given us communities to reach. We're not a bunch of proselyters. We're a bunch of soul winners. There's too many lost folks for us to try to fish somebody out of another assembly. I'm here to tell you, we're here to win the lost. That's our call. That's what we've been called to do. You better hear me. I know I've quit preaching, started meddling already, Pastor. You can fix this later. Hear me. Don't get your judgmental glasses out. And start looking down your super pious nose. When somebody new comes into the church and they may not have had 30 years of apostolic training and they don't look like you and they don't talk like you and they don't smell like you yet. Give them a little time to get a little teaching in them. Be an example to them. Let, let the word give them a little bit of holiness teaching. Don't you try to get ahead like Abraham did. Oh, hallelujah. 
The promise is going to be a place of hurting people coming in. The promise is going to be a place where folks are smelling like sin are going to walk in. Heaven help us when we look down our nose at some self-righteous attitude when somebody comes in that they haven't had all the privileges of knowing Jesus since they were a child. They're going to be ugly. They're going to be dirty with sin. Oh, God, give us a desire to minister to the lost in our community. They may not have all their apostolic steps right. Just keep working with them. Just keep leading them to Christ. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. But let me tell you what Hannah did. 1 Samuel 2, 19, it says, Moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. When she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice, Mama dressed him even as a child to become a servant of God. Train up a child. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, we sometimes think that the way we prepare our children, they're they're too young to understand what's going on. I guarantee you, you get them about five or six, they know the difference in a LeBron jersey and, uh, Lord, I'll get old now if I start talking about Jordan, wouldn't I? We need to, who are seasoned in the church, we need to have our kids comfortable with being Christians, apostolics in our community. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We don't go around thumping our Bible, beating our chest, saying, look at me. But we conduct ourselves in a manner, we teach our children how to have ethics, how to be class acts in the community. If We're children of the promise. Our kids need to know how to go into a restaurant and behave and be a witness and leave a tip so when the waitress sees them leave, Man, there's something about those kids. I I don't understand that. I've never had kids so. Are we going to be the children of the promise or not? Are we going to represent Christ or not? You see, Mama had long-term goals. It wasn't a one-time outfit. Every year, Mama went back and said, you getting older? We're we going to make sure that you're still looking like a, a little priest. Come on. You're, Samuel, I, I'm raising you up. I'm teaching you. Listen, there's a reason I got to baptize my five-year-old granddaughter in Jesus' name today. We hadn't been keeping her away from church. Oh, when she gets old enough, we'll... we'll let her make her own decisions. 
Oh, you know, we don't want to force her to go to church. We might turn her against church if we do that. Well, if you're going to use that kind of logic, won't you let your kids decide when they're going to take a bath? Aren't you afraid you might turn them against water? Hear me. We need to let our kids know if it's Sunday, we're going to church. If it's Bible study, we're going to church. Why? Because we're children of the promise. This is what our world is about. That's the center of our world. This is the church of promise. This is what we live for. Everything else is on the outside. The oh, somebody hear me today. If you'll hear this preacher and you'll bring your children up in the church of the promise, God's going to get them better jobs because they're going to know how to work. There's some folks during this building program. This is not prophecy. This is experience. There's folks from this building program who have gained knowledge and ability in craftsmanship and building that's going to help you the rest of your life. When we built our first church over in Knoxville, we're so blessed. We have had multiple phases of building and expanding. God's been so good to us. But there are young men who had no marketable skills who came and volunteered and worked on the church. Some of them now are master electricians. Some of them are master carpenters. Some of them have gotten jobs. They went on to school and learned to be architects. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Listen, if we'll teach our families to put the church first, to sacrificially give like you did today, you're going to see blessings untold. There's a blessing coming to Churchill. There's a special blessing coming to you. Look here. Just go ahead and stand up. I, I'm not closing my oats yet. I've heard it said that faith is when an apostolic woman puts her shoes back on in church after the pastor says, and finally... So I'm not saying and finally yet, but I'm close. You see, there it is. 1 Samuel 2.22 said now, and I'm skipping ahead. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle and of the congregation. And he said unto them, why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. Hear me. A church with improper leadership 
can cause the people to transgress. That's why it's important to have Holy Ghost feel sound, not novice leadership like you have here at the promise. But scripture says, if one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. I do not end on a, an ominous note tonight, or this afternoon. But instead, I let you know that this indeed is a church, not only by name, but by action, that is the promise. And you are all children of the promise. You see, Jesus identified his family in Mark 3, 32. He said, And the multitude sat about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked around about on them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now please, just give me just a couple of more minutes to, if I might say, allegorize, if I could coin the term, from this passage. I am not in any way encouraging anyone to estrange themselves from your lost family. Instead, I challenge you to be an example and witness to unsaved family. Amen. But with that said, I also understand that relationship that develops. This is not a cult. I mean, if it was a cult, you'd do everything the pastor said. You can laugh, that's okay. This is not a cult. But hear me, when your life becomes centered around the work of God and becoming the children of promise, you're going to have more in common with your church family than you do your unsaved natural family. That does not mean you need to shun them any way you need to be a witness. But you have to understand what Jesus said here. Whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother, my sister. My mother, the church must do the will of God to be the mama it should be. Written under this podium is Acts 2.38. We stand on that promise. But we also stand on Acts 2.39. Because what does it say? For the promise is unto you and to your children. <laughs> isn't that an awesome lineage? This isn't just for us. You started with some little ones. Man, there was some full-grown men stood up when you had that bunch stand up. But you know what? I looked around and some of them's got little ones now. 
the promise, this place, but understand the allegory. The promise is for you and your children and them that are afar off, <laughs> even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hear me. Promise Apostolic Church, your reach is gonna be on, gonna go way beyond this community. There's gonna be missionaries come out of this place. There's gonna be evangelists that are gonna travel and preach the gospel. There are gonna be apostolic teachers and coaches and ministers and workers that are gonna reach far beyond these walls. Hallelujah. So I want us to do something today. I want your voice. I want the voice that you should hear. Pastor, I want you to grab a microphone. Check one of those. Man, y'all got all kind of microphones. Uh, if you're like us at home, we got all kind. You just got to find one that'll come on. There you go. I want you to practice something with me, Pastor Loveless. I want you to say, we do now dedicate this house. We do now dedicate this house. I want everybody to say that with him one time. We do now dedicate this house. All right. I'm going to say something, and then when I point to him, he's going to lead you in that phrase. Having been prospered by the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ and enabled by his grace and strength to complete this building to the glory of his name, we now stand in God's presence to dedicate this structure to the service of his kingdom. We do now dedicate this house. In remembrance of all who have loved and served the promised apostolic church, establishing the heritage we now enjoy, who are now part of this assembly, we do now dedicate this house. For worship in prayer and song, for the preaching of the word, for the teaching of the scriptures, for the fellowship of the saints, we do now dedicate this house. For the comfort of those who mourn, for the strength of the weak, for the help of those who are tempted, for the giving of hope and courage to all come within these walls. We do now dedicate this house. For the sharing of the good news of the salvation from sin, for the spreading of the scriptural holiness, for giving of instruction in righteousness, and for propagation of the Acts 2.38 apostolic message. We do now dedicate this house. Now, we're going to change our phrase for this last one that I read. What I would like for you to do all across this place, you folks that are on the outside, I want you to reach out and I want you to touch the wall over there. Right. You folks on the outside, you folks in the middle, I want you to lay your hands on, on these seats and you're standing on... I want everybody in the house, you folks that work up there in media, I want you to lay your hands on that soundboard, Amen. on that computer. You, you ushers and workers at the door, you greeters, lay your hands on those doors. I, listen, we're getting ready to dedicate this place. We're getting ready to dedicate this house. <laughs> God has given us something special here. But let me tell you, just stay ready. 
Because this next time I'm going to read, but we're not going to say we do now dedicate this house. Instead, we're going to say we now dedicate ourselves. Because this building is worthless unless we, the church, are dedicated. Amen. Okay? Would you help me? We as laborers together with God now join hands and hearts and dedicate ourselves anew to the high and holy purpose to which this building has been set apart. We pledge our loyal devotion, faithful stewardship, and diligent service to the end that is in this place. The name of the Lord shall be glorified and his kingdom shall be advanced through Jesus Christ our Lord. We now dedicate ourselves. Now let's pray over this building. Mighty God, I love you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this wonderful place that you have given us to worship. Now God, we know that the church is not bricks and mortar, carpet and lights, but Savior right now, we the body, the church of the promised apostolic church, dedicate ourselves. Lord, we will give of ourselves with prayer. We will give of ourselves in dedication. Lord, touch every person in this place. Lord, let these walls stand strong in our community. When folks drive by this place, let them feel your presence so near. Let there be a drawing of the Holy Ghost that will cause people that just pass by on the road to say, I need to see what's going on. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I pray as their media ministry ministers, Lord, whatever it may be, if they're on Facebook, if they're on live stream, if they're on Twitter, let this church be represented with Holy Ghost anointing. Lord, I pray that you would touch our minds to make us better witnesses as we represent in the social media world. If they find our post, let it be something good about you and something good about the promise. Lord, when we go to work, let this world see that special people of the promise. Lord, when we do our business dealings, let this world know this is people of the promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, would you raise your hands? Would you give Jesus high praise? I declare this building dedicated under the service of the Lord Jesus Christ for his purpose and for his kingdom. Let's love him. Let's praise him right now. Thank you for joining our podcast. We want to invite you to our church Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, Sunday afternoons at 345. We want to say thank you for joining us and also tune in next time for our podcast, Messages from the Promise.